Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Before we get into the show, I want to give a couple of shout outs. First, to Megan W.R., and Mona S. for joining the Modern Manager community on Patreon. If you are not sure what that's about, stay tuned. I will talk about it at the end of the episode. Also, a shout out to Mark Y., Samantha C., and Blair B., who contacted me to say how much they are learning from and enjoying the Modern Manager. I so appreciate hearing from you. So if you are finding these episodes useful or insightful, please reach out and let me know. You can email me or contact me on social media or through my website, mamieks.com, which also has all the other contact info. Now, my guest today is Elise Keith. Elise is one of the founders of Lucid Meetings, a company specializing in software and services that help organizations scale effective meeting practices. And she is the author of a new book called Where the Action Is, The Meetings That Make or Break Your Organization. Meetings are a topic that is close to my heart, and I learned so much by talking with Elise. We talk about the bad meeting doom loop, which is a crazy name I know. And we talk about how naming your meetings matters, different types of meetings, and how to string together a series of different kinds of meetings to optimize how the team collaborates. And of course, the most important thing to do when planning or preparing for a meeting. Now here's my interview with Elise. You're listening to The Modern Manager a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Thank you so much, Elise, for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk with you. Pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. So I want to start by saying that the reason I'm so excited is because Today, you get to be the meeting expert. And so often, (laughs) I'm the meeting expert. I'm the one being interviewed. And today, I get to ask the questions and I get to learn from you. And you have been doing this for longer than I have, which still in the grand scheme of things isn't that long because meetings haven't been such a big topic kind of in the workplace for long enough, I'd say. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're always a topic, but never a focus. Exactly. And I remember when I first got into this meeting space, Lucid Meetings, which is your business, was already there and really leading the charge. And I just know that you are going to have so much to share today. So we're going to get right going. You have a new uh-huh. book that is now available on Kindle and coming out in paperback soon called Where the Action Is. It's on Amazon. For everyone who's listening, you can go there and get it on Kindle now. And uh, it's going to be coming out soon on paperback. And I was looking through it because I haven't gotten to read the whole thing yet. And one of the sections that caught my attention is called the bad meetings doom loop. And this just sounds terrible and I have no idea what it is. I really want to know what is this bad meetings doom loop? So the bad meetings doom loop is this acknowledgement that a lot of what's happening in our meetings has to do with how we think about them before they, we even begin. So if you do a search on how to run better meetings on the internet, most of what you'll find are blog posts on sites like Forbes and Entrepreneur and all over the place that say, that begin with something like this. Meetings are a dreadful thing that we all have to encounter in our businesses. We all have sat there and been terribly bored and felt like we you know, want to poke our eyes out with pencils, and yet they can be useful. So here are eight tips to making them better. So they all start with this really negative belief about meetings. And 
the definition of a doom loop is, is basically it's a belief cycle, a negative belief cycle. So if you believe something is awful, right, and then go to act on something that you believe is awful. So if you believe, for example, that meetings are fundamentally a waste of your team's time, then because that's a waste of time, most people then don't put more time into preparing and getting excellent at running something that they believe is a waste of time in the beginning. So they don't prepare for their meetings. They don't have clear purpose and goals and whatnot. Everyone else shows up to the meeting seeing that there's no clear preparation, no clear goal. They have a meandering conversation that goes a little bit long and is filled with you know, the hot air of whoever happens to have the most hot air at the moment. Uh, they leave the room without anything in particular being accomplished. And the meeting, in fact, does end up being a waste of time, therefore completing the loop, reinforcing your belief that that meeting was a waste of time, right? So that's a doom loop. You have a negative belief, which causes you to take a negative action, creating a negative behavior, giving you a negative result, reinforcing your negative belief. The opposite, of course, is when you change that belief at the beginning. If you think instead of meetings are a total waste of time, you think, you know what? My meeting is the place where my work and my culture and my people come together and I can really make things happen. This is where the action is. Then the way in which you approach that meeting changes dramatically and the results you get also change dramatically. You create a different loop. I find this really important because I see the same thing when I talk with people about their meetings, that there is this dread and this dislike of meetings that is, it's like so embedded in how people think about meetings. That, and it's led to things like Jason Freed from Basecamp saying, we should just have no meetings. We should just completely get rid of meetings which is not the answer, right? But when you think of meetings as being so terrible and then that plays out, it makes sense that you just keep having really terrible meetings. Well, and the thing that's really fascinating is when you look at like, like Jason Fried's company and how, what they actually did, they canceled many of their meetings, but they didn't cancel all of them. And what they did instead is they had times when their teams got together that were called other things, Right. So when you hear people talk about and complain about meetings, they'll say, oh, meetings are terrible. And then you'll turn around and you'll see that they're working really hard to nail the next call with a prospective client, right? Their sales conversations are critically important to their business and something they invest a lot of practice and time into. So obviously meetings in general are not a waste of their time. And yet that's how that discussion gets started. So in the Basecamp example, they had team crushes. They had, you know, full day on site still. They still absolutely talked to clients. They still absolutely, you know, got together and discussed strategy. So it wasn't that all of the meetings went away. They just didn't have things on their calendar called meetings anymore. You redefine the problem as one way to break that loop. Right. Well, and even just using different language, we know how important language and words are and calling something a meeting almost triggers that like uh, yuck reflex that we all have to say, oh, I don't want to do that. And calling exactly. something a team crush. I have one organization I work with that calls their monthly team get togethers or team meetings. They call it their family reunion. And it's the time yes. for the whole staff to get together. And suddenly just, just calling it a family reunion creates a totally different reaction emotionally and psychologically about what's going to happen in that hour together. Exactly. 
Well, that turns out to be the key, right? Like there aren't any successful meetings that are just you show up in a room and see what happens. Now, I, I'll, I'll take that back. Most of the time, you're going to be successful, especially if you've got any real work to look at and any size of group to do if you just show up into a room and kind of talk at each other. So when you're aiming to be successful with your meetings, you really do need to get more specific. And since you're getting more specific anyway, right, it's there to achieve a purpose. It's there to accomplish something for the business. You might as well call it something more specific as well. And then when you get into that, you've got a family reunion or you've got your sales demo or you've got your first interview with a prospect. Those are things, not only can you get more excited about attending them, they're places where you can bring mastery, right? There are strategies and skills to apply to each of those different kinds of meetings, which makes it a whole lot more fun to, to work on them. Yeah. In your book, you talk about 16 different types of meetings that we all need to run our businesses. And I would love to get into all 16 of them because they're I'm sure they're all extremely important and this is what the book is for. But for now, let's just talk about one of them. And you know, one of the types of meetings that can be most challenging are around leadership meetings and how the leadership team comes together to kind of do the work of the business and drive the business forward. So tell me more about these kinds of leadership meetings. There are 16 individual types of meetings and each type of meeting achieves a different work purpose. And what you see often happening in leadership teams, especially if they've come from a young company and they've grown organically from that space where you really can have the five people in a room and just sort of talk about what you need to do to the bit where they now have levels of management, they now have more to grow. They still continue to get together in a room on a regular basis and just talk about all of their work. And those sessions balloon. They become these two and three hour calls or meetings full of strategy, full of tactical stuff, full of problem solving, trying to make decisions. And they're, they're just a mash. So one of the things we found when we worked with both business consultants and the meeting experts is that leadership teams especially benefit by creating not just a type of meeting, but understanding those key activities as leaders you need, right? You do need to set the strategy. You do need to keep track of the day-to-day -day tactical operation of your business. And there are times where you need to make business-changing decisions that you shouldn't be, you know, saying, hey, guys, you know, should we acquire this other company in your, you know, weekly team meeting? It's not an off-the-cuff kind of activity. There's a way to make decisions that's proven to be much more successful. So what we do with leadership teams is we actually help them develop a whole sequence or a flow of meetings that then run their business. And it starts with strategic planning, so which is a very dedicated, almost workshop type kind of event held depending on the team, you know, once a year or once every three months if they're a really agile team or once every five years if they're a big established organization. And then a weekly cadence where they check in on how the performance is going. And then a way to formally make large decisions. And then these meetings work together. So you've got a, got a strategy session, a workshop, you've got daily team cadence meetings. And that's basically team cadence meetings are about keeping work flowing and making sure there are no big blocks. And then you have a decision-making meeting. So in that team cadence meeting, if you are going along and you find there's a problem in the plan, or you find there's a new opportunity that came up, because these things always do, 
rather than trying to hash it out in your weekly team meeting, you identify it and you kick it up to the decision-making meeting, right? I okay, love that. this is I a have big to, decision, boom. Yeah, I have to interrupt just because I love that. And I find that it's so easy to take a meeting, like the, t- the full team meeting, and it gets off track because there's an issue that comes up. And sometimes not everybody in that room needs to be part of that problem-solving process. And so having a pre-scheduled time separately to tackle those things allows you to keep your team meeting on track and know that there is a space and a time with the right people to be tackling whatever that other issue is that's arisen. So I just, I have to reinforce how much I love that concept. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly it. Not only does it give you a space and a time because you know big things will come up, right? But it also allows you to then say, hold on a second, this is a big enough thing that we shouldn't have to tackle it today. We should tackle it in our decision-making meeting. And oh, because we have taken the time to define a specific decision-making meeting, we will use a decision-making process in that meeting. So a decision-making meeting runs differently than a team cadence meeting. Right. In in decision making, there are a sequence of steps that teams can go through to get a higher quality decision. And because they've set that aside, they'll actually go through those steps. I mean, one of the biggest challenges with decision making is we feel like we never have time to actually do the due diligence we need to make sound decisions. So instead of like crossing your fingers that you're going to take that time and you're going to be have the aforethought and in the moment sort of presence of mind to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need to evaluate our options. Set it aside. Create that time by intention. It makes a huge difference in the quality of outcomes. I love that. So that's decision-making meetings as part of the system. Is there anything else that's part of this system of meetings that's important to think about in terms of how you're structuring it or the frequency of these meetings? Well, you know, that frequency question is such an interesting question. And when we were putting together the book and some of the other things we do on lucid meetings, I went and I did, I searched for research and it turns out there isn't much actually on, you know, what are the optimal durations and intervals for having meetings for keeping work going. And that's really what a team cadence meeting is about, right? So you can see people all over the place sort of flail with that one. You see folks meet every day, some people meet every week, some people try to meet every two weeks. It's all over the map. But in general, what we found, pulling together what we could find, (laughs) was that the more often you meet, the shorter your meeting can be. Hmm. And the more often you meet, the faster the work cadence goes. So pretty much without fail, if teams only meet every other week, their performance will slow down. And that can be fine. If you're an oversight group working on, say, long-term committee work, maybe you only need to meet every two weeks because not much happens in between because it's sort of a side gig. But if you are a team actually driving honest-to-goodness day-to-day work product and you meet every two weeks, that meeting has to be really long and it tends not to be very effective. So with the leadership team, depending on the organization, The optimal cadence appears to be that they review tactical things in at least a one hour to a 90 minute meeting once a week. And then they do a quick, quick, like five minute daily check-in. And what happens in this five minute daily check-in? That was very much like the agile stand-up, if anybody's familiar with that, where everybody says, here's what's going on for me today. Here's where I'm stuck. 
you know, here's, here's what we've accomplished or here's what we've learned from the day before. So just enough so that everybody else knows what everyone else is up to and has a finger on what's going on in the business so that you aren't surprised when your coworkers off to the dentist, <laughs> you aren't surprised by some big client emergency that's come up and you're not waiting a week until the rest of the team understands that this is going on and that they may need to adjust their plans. And if you get stuck, you can raise the fact that you've gotten stuck so that after the meeting, you don't, you don't problem solve in a, in a check-in. Check-ins are literally for check-ins. The people who can help you can then jump in and help you and get you unstuck faster than if you went ahead and held off and waited for the next week before you did that. Yeah. I think that this makes so much sense. And we did this in my business as well. We had a daily check-in through Slack and it was so helpful to get that quick waiting for something from me, or this is where everything is and kind of what are sometimes of the timeline, because just being a day or two behind on something can make a big ripple effect within a team if people don't know and can't plan accordingly. So that, I like this pairing of a daily check-in to kind of keep that like pulse check happening and the team meeting that you can then do some of the bigger work, but not the deep dives into problem solving decision-making, but really some of the bigger alignment work that has to happen. Right, right. And the, you know that, that weekly team meeting is the place where, remember, it all starts by having a strategy in the first place, right? This is what we're trying to achieve in the next three months. And that team meeting is the bit where you get to pull back just a little bit from the day to day and say, wait a second, are we actually doing what we said we were going to do? Are we executing against that strategy in pursuit of our goals? Or are we actually spending all of our time talking about what color to paint the conference room walls, right? You get to pull up a little bit, but not all the way to the bit where you're revisiting the strategy, just enough to make sure that you're executing on that in, a, in accordance with what you said you'd do. And that bit where you're like, in that meeting, you're looking at what you said you, you would do, and you're working on it together. That's really where the leadership team gets to walk its talk, right? Like that, you know, we have all of this stuff out there about culture right now and how do you create healthy cultures and whatnot. And so much of effective culture is about respect and accountability. You know, do we mm-hmm. honor each other's time? Do we follow through on our commitments? And the place where you can see that is in a really well-designed regular team meeting. Okay. So if there was one thing that everyone who's listening should do to make their next meeting more effective or to make their meetings in general more effective, what is the one thing that you suggest everybody think about or try to do or shift their mindset on? I think it all comes down to purpose and outcome. So each and every meeting should accomplish something useful for the team or for the business. And if you can define that, if you can say, okay, and I think you've written about this too, purpose, you know, the verb, why are we here? What are we going to do? An outcome, the noun, the list of things you get when you're done with that. If you start with that, then everything else can fall out of that. All of the, how are you going to go about it? That's the process or the agenda or the structure, who should be there. Everything else gets clearer. So that's my tip. If you don't know purpose and intended outcomes, you're not ready to do anything else. I'm so happy you said that because that's the exact same answer that I give is you have to know why are you meeting and what are you going to accomplish? We call it the desired outcome. What is the outcome this meeting will achieve? And like you said, if you don't know what you're going to achieve in the meeting, you can't figure out who to invite. 
You can't structure an agenda so that the activities you're doing will lead to that outcome. And you end up with those meetings that just meander and wander. And at the end, you can't even judge whether the meeting was successful. And and I've definitely been in conversations where I've walked out feeling like, that was a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed, but did we accomplish anything? Did it move our work forward? Was that actually a productive use of my time, not just an enjoyable one? So that outcome is so important. So I'm glad we're aligned on that one. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, and it's fascinating, right? Because like when people learn what I do, you know, one of the questions they always ask me is they, they always ask a question that really comes back to that. And we had a, I had did a workshop recently and there were, it was a mix of managers and employees. And at one point, one of the managers asked me, she said, you know, I run these meetings and everybody shows up. And I know you've talked about the importance of only having people in the room who are relevant to the discussion and who can participate because otherwise everybody else is going to be upset. But I don't know how to do that because they all keep showing up. And one of the answer to that question is if you're super clear about why you're holding that meeting and what it's meant to do, people can understand whether or not they need to be there. Because 10 minutes later, an employee asked me, she said, you know, my company has these meetings all the time and they're huge. And I always go because I'm never sure if something's going to come up that infects my job and I want to be there to make sure I don't miss it. But then they get to talking and I'm bored and it's not actually interesting to me. So I get out my laptop and I'm multitasking on my laptop and I know that's terrible behavior and I really shouldn't be multitasking. So then I wonder if I should just get up and leave. But And I know Elon Musk says you can just get up and leave. So should I do that or is that bad? (sighs) Right? Oh my gosh. And in both cases, the answer is the same. Stayed up front. What's the purpose? What's the desired outcome? And then, oh, by the way, tell people afterwards in writing what happened. Yep. And then people don't have to come to meetings where they're not needed. They know what was going to happen. You wrote down what happened. They got to see it. They didn't miss out. And Elon Musk is wrong. (laughs) He is, in fact, disruptive to the rest of the people if you just get up and walk out. That would also be the answer to Elon Musk's problem. If he finds himself in a meeting where it's not a good use of his time, Perhaps they should have declared what they were going to do there first before he showed up. Oh, yes. Well, and I I tell people that if the meeting agenda is structured in a way that you only need to be there for part of it, it is absolutely okay to say, I'm looking at the agenda, the remaining pieces I don't believe are most important for me to be part of. If the group feels differently, I'm happy to stay. But if I'm not needed and not just get up and leave, but it is okay to not attend an entire meeting if only the first 20 minutes are important. So, but you can't just walk out. You got to. You got to say, yeah, absolutely. If there's an agenda and there are actual transition points in the agenda. Yeah. Yes. So we're running out of time, but I want to ask you because this podcast in general is about being a rock star manager or a rock star boss with a thriving team. And so I'm curious to learn about one of your best managers that you worked for and what made them so wonderful. I think one of my favorite managers brought me into a company in an industry where I was qualified for the role, but I had no experience in the industry whatsoever. And one of the things that I found really, really wonderful is that he gave me lots and lots of exposure and opportunity to learn. So as I came in, he made sure I got a seat at client meetings. He made sure I got to observe the leadership team's meetings. And then he gave me that first couple weeks of my 
job just to figure out what the heck was going on in that industry. And from there, we ended up, because he allowed me the space and the time and the opportunity to really immerse myself and understand the business, from there, I became a much better contributor to the business and was able to actually have the kind of impact that, you know, as an employee, I really wanted to be able to have. So that for me was was a huge deal, having a manager that connected me with my purpose and the business's overall purpose so that I understood what I was doing had a meaningful impact. That's fantastic. And I, I just need to point out that you started by saying this person included you in meetings. And so it's like a whole other way to think about how to engage people and grow them and get them grounded is by including new employees or people that are kind of on a path of growth in meetings that even if they're not there necessarily to contribute, but they're there to learn, they're there to understand and get exposure and build relationships with other colleagues across the organization. So meetings are another wonderful way to do that. So if you're a manager, you can think about how do I include different people in different meetings as growth opportunities? Thanks, Elise. I mean, it was, you can tell who's actually in charge and what actually matters in the organization if you watch a leadership team meeting. It doesn't matter what's on the brochure, right? It's what they actually talk about. That will clue you into what's really going on. So it's super helpful. Yes, yes. All right. Well, that is all our time for today. So as we wrap up, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. I can't wait to dive into your book. As you all know, meetings are my thing too. So I'm just really (laughs) excited for this book. So tell us where people can keep up with you and Lucid Meetings and the book and all the good stuff you've got going on. It's easiest to keep up with us on our blog, which is at blog.lucidmeetings.com and our website, which is, you know, shockingly lucidmeetings.com. The book is available on Amazon and, you know, we're on Twitter and all the places. So do check us out. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been fun. I love to geek out about meetings with people. Oh yeah. And we will put all of those links in the show notes so everyone can find them easily. Thank you again. I look forward to you know, more conversations and collaboration and all the good stuff to come. Thank you. I just loved this interview and I hope you did too. If you didn't know, I also wrote a book on meetings. It's called Momentum, Creating Effective, Engaging, and Enjoyable Meetings. I co-authored this book with my colleague Ty and it's available on Amazon and my website, of course. So now you have two meeting books to read. So wonderful. I mentioned before joining Patreon, which is where the Modern Manager community lives. If you want robust guides and worksheets to accompany the episodes, access to exclusive group and solo coaching calls, discounts on my events and other fun stuff like a Modern Manager water bottle, head over to patreon.com slash modernmanager and join. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash modernmanager. Membership start at only $2 per month. You can also join my newsletter where I share each week's episode, blog, and mini guide so you never miss a thing. It gets right to your inbox. You can subscribe at mamieks.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. 
To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.